Hello and welcome back to Engagement Matters. This is episode 16. My name's Christina Cantors and I'm joined by Mr. John Williams from JHW Corporate Training. He's back on the podcast. Now, John, I understand this episode's a little bit different to some of our earlier episodes. Can you explain? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd like to shift the emphasis of the podcasts from the basic skills and tools that we've been covering in previous episodes essentially sessions almost straight from our workshops explaining the skills and tools available uh, and moved to a more um, situational type experiential uh, situation where we're taking real business scenarios and seeing how these tools and techniques and skills can combine to provide better results in different scenarios. And um, the first one we're looking at is in projects. Projects. Okay. I'm sure everyone listening has been involved in a project at some point in their professional lives. Can you tell us why why projects? Why have you picked this for this episode? Yeah, um, three three key reasons. The first, they represent a massive investment for most organizations. The second is they offer a tremendous potential for those organizations. The third one is that in my experience, at least, anecdotally, most projects seem to be underperforming. Mm. Tell me more about that. What are the sort of problems that occur with projects? Well, again, talking to executives and um, uh, em- employees in organizations, you hear that the projects that we're running seem to be stressful situations. We're always chasing deadlines. I consistently hear three types of uh, outcomes. Firstly, there's the delays, the overruns, the budget blowouts. We've all heard about corporate projects have experienced those sorts of things. Secondly, there can be a lack of user acceptance of the final outcome. And that can delay the return on investment beyond going live if the users aren't getting the full potential out of it. Mm. And finally, there's sometimes even the functionality was simply wrong. It won't do the job that it was originally designed to do. So an IT problem, well, software that's, problem. that's how it's often seen. In fact, all of these three things, the corporate response seems to be, well, let's check that we've got the right expertise for this job and, and let's check our processes. But I don't actually think that's where the problem lies. So let's talk about how organizations are currently dealing with these problems of project overruns and blowouts and all of that. How are are organizations trying to diagnose the problem currently? There's traditionally been a a major emphasis on process, methodology. Are we doing this correctly? Is there a better way of doing this? And uh, the current flavor seems to be agile. Um, A lot of corporations are now implementing the agile um, methodology approach, I should say, to streamline their projects. As methodologies go, I think agile seems to have some significant benefits over uh, the traditional approaches, um, mainly around the collaboration that they engender between the end users of the final system with the project staff and also around the way they chunk the P 
pieces of functionality so that we we're working with smaller, faster turnaround of um, deliverables so that if something's going off track, you can see it much quicker. And we, we all get to, to see a, a, what, what the results are much more quickly. Mm. So as approaches go, I think there probably is some value in, in moving towards the, um, an, a more agile approach. Yet I'm not certain that process and methodology are underlying the the, 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 the true diagnosis of the problems. Mm. I would argue that each of those things that I highlighted as, as problems above, the delays, the overruns, the blowouts, the lack of user acceptance, and sometimes the wrong functionality has been developed, all of them relate to a greater or lesser extent to a breakdown in the engagement and cooperation between the project staff and the end, ultimate end users. They often call themselves the victims. <laughs> and therein lies part of the problems. Mm. They are the ultimate stakeholders in this project. And if you think about the stuff that we've discussed on previous podcasts, we've talked about the stakeholder is the ultimate decision, you know, um, referee. Mm. They're decide, they're the ones that decide on our success. And if we're not engaging with them well, if we're not earning the cooperation from them, then it's going to be very, very difficult to get them to embrace the ultimate solution. So what are a few specific things that we've discussed in previous podcasts that you you would recommend that people start to implement if they do want to have better engagement and see more success with their projects? Yeah. Um, first of all, let me talk about current project setups. Sure. There's a great emphasis on task, task-based milestones hitting, um, you know, to, to keep things on track. Let's not forget these projects are highly complicated beasts and very, very difficult. And so it's clear that a task focus, you know, we need to keep things on track. We need to be able to measure. We don't want things going, you know, off timetable and exacerbating the problem, you know, down the track. So I understand the need for uh, measurement of task. The problem comes that there is so much pressure on project staff to hit those deadlines that other stuff can go out the window. What do you What do you mean by other stuff? Well, the relationship ah, okay. with the stakeholders. Sure. So we've got often technically based process oriented staff incented to meet very rigorous milestones and facing rewards or punishments if they do or don't make those milestones. They're also given a fair bit of authority because some of these projects are the most important thing that's going on in an organization right now. So they bring with it a whole lot of authority to get things done. What we often see in projects is that the end users, the stakeholders, often called the victims, detect a level of arrogance coming from the project staff. Now, mm. that arrogance isn't intentional. 
that arrogance is about trying to get the job done, trying to get things, keep it, keep on timetable and so on and so forth. But it stems from things like uh, we have a focus on task over people. We're not, we're, we're leading before learning. If you remember that podcast, mm. we're telling people what they should be doing rather than understanding what they need. We're using lots of authority and not much influence. All these things, done for the best of intent, are creating an aura of arrogance among the project staff. And in my experience, arrogance doesn't encourage cooperation. These projects are so hard so complex, so people-oriented that you're only going to get them across the line if you've got everybody pushing in the, the same direction. If everybody is giving their all and then a bit more. Mm. And that sort of enthusiasm is not going to get generated where some of the key drivers of the project are perceived as arrogant. I really want to emphasize that this is not bad people. This is good people trying to do good stuff, but skipping a few steps and creating a perception that is not productive. John, you mentioned the agile process earlier. How can people start to implement those th those things that you just talked about with an agile process? Because I know that's becoming a lot more common these days with projects. Sure. Well, Agile encourages greater collaboration. The way teams are set up for projects within Agile uh, require far more collaboration, far more involvement and working together of the end users and the project staff. And that provides much greater opportunity to build those strong relationships, that strong engagement and get that enthusiasm going. If our project staff have the engagement skills to do so. But there's a downside here. Time alone together doesn't necessarily form a stronger relationship. It's what we do with that time and how we build those relationships. If I don't have the right skills and I'm forced to spend a lot of time with these people, I can make the situation even worse during that time, not better. Mm. So an assumption seems to be with Agile that because we've got greater opportunity for collaboration, then the level of engagement is going to be better and the projects will run better. That would be fantastic. But it also could backfire on us because if our project staff do not have the requisite engagement skills, then we could end up creating even more animosity within the project. Have you found this at all with people who have come to your workshops on engagement skills? Is this something that they've experienced? Yeah. Uh, anecdotally, again, um, we talk about uh, the learning and leading we talk about influence and authority, as, as we've covered in previous podcasts. Mm. We often get participants talking about the arrogance that comes through from internal projects and external proje uh, project staff within their organization. 
We mm. get a lot of people talking about that arrogance. And then we try and pull it apart. What's 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 behind all of it? And we usually come, we come to quite common conclusions around it not necessarily being bad people. They're good people with great intentions, but they're under such pr- pressure to, to get task outcomes that they cause fractured relationships. And those fractured relationships lead to a loss of enthusiasm and a loss of buy-in, a loss of cooperation within the project, the very thing that's going to get that project across the line. Mm. So it undoes, in a way, the what, what the Agile process is, is helping to, to a- achieve. So, yeah, so more collaboration. Well, more opportunity collabor- for collaboration means that it's even more important that you engage better and implement those things that we talked about. Sure. John, tell me more about the impact of having this cooperation in our projects. Yeah, sure. When we think about the level of productivity get we get when we're dealing with our best stakeholder, and we all have good stakeholders, and we compare that with the level of productivity we get with some of the people further down the productivity cycle, some of the people, mm. you know, the, the stakeholder from hell, if you like, we've all got one of those. If we look at the difference between those two, there's often a five or even a tenfold difference in the effort it gets to achieve something or the time it takes to get things across the line. A tenfold difference in productivity between my best stakeholder and my worst stakeholder. That's not unusual. And we've got other stakeholders somewhere in between. When we get true cooperation with all our stakeholders, that's what we're getting from the best ones. For some reason, the cooperation, the engagement, the willingness has broken down to various levels with all those other stakeholders. If we could lift that by engaging with them more appropriately for their style, then the chances are we can lift total productivity within the project, the ease of getting things signed off and across the line and gaining agreement and understanding the true needs, gaining the enthusiasm of people moving forward. If we can do that, we could double the overall productivity within the project. That's how user buy-in is generated. That's how we get that enthusiasm and cooperation that gets projects across the line. Mm. And then that has a huge impact on the bottom line in, in turn. And of course, this relates directly to what I discussed with Ralph in the last few episodes on the personality compass. So if that's something that you're wanting to do more of and engage better and with your stakeholders and learn about how their communication style, then I definitely recommend you check out those episodes that I did with Ralph. I believe it's episodes 1 to 15 uh, about 11, the personality. 11, 11 to 15 about the personality compass. Yep. So, John, moving forward, for people listening, what are some things that they can start to implement apart from listening to the podcast episodes where we discuss some of these skills in more detail? So, there's we have episode 10 where we talk about building engagement. So that's focusing on the relationship rather than the task. In episode nine, we talked about solutions for stakeholders, which was about um, learning first before you lead, which is really important. And then finally, we discussed the difference between 
um, leading by influence or leading with authority, that was episode five. So make sure you check out those episodes and you can find all of them at jhw.com.au slash podcast. They're all there, easy to listen to. Um, so moving forward, apart from listening to those episodes, what what can people start to do to start implementing some of these things? Okay, for, for our listeners that are involved in projects themselves, I would strongly recommend that, as you suggested, they listen to those podcasts. Mm. Building stronger engagement with their stakeholders, understanding their personality styles, and building stronger engagement for that personality. That starts to generate the cooperation we're looking for. That helps them share with them their true requirements and helps you build better solutions for them. Um, the learn and lead, as you mentioned, you know, let's start providing solutions to the users, not just providing them with a product that we think will suit their requirements. And finally, yeah, using that, that influence rather than authority to gain more cooperation. So that's the sort of things I would advise any project-based staff listening to this podcast might want to embrace. Mm. What about for people who are more of a senior management level? Um, I would be suggesting, and particularly those that are looking at uh, implementing Agile as well, I would be asking you, uh, do your project staff, have they had the uh, requisite training in collaboration in building engagement, in influencing, and so on, so, so, so that they have the skills to exploit the strengths of the methodology. The collaboration is undoubtedly a great strength to the Agile approach, but it can be either a very positive influence and cause great productivity, or if it backfires because we don't have the requisite engagement skills, it can backfire spectacularly and cause even greater resentment. Fantastic. So those are some things that you can start to implement right now. <laughs> Just take it one step at a time. John, do you have anything else to add before we wrap up? No, I think that's good. We've got another podcast coming next week. I'm doing some preparation on that one right now, and it's going to be around enough efficiency. Oh, I like that one. Enough efficiency. All right. I look forward to recording that one with you. Excellent. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed the show today. If building engagement is something that you really, you want to take seriously and, and do more of, then do consider joining one of the JHW public workshops. You can find out more about them at jhw.com.au. And of course, don't forget to check out the podcast. Well, check out those previous podcast episodes at jhw.com.au slash podcast. Thanks, John. See you next time. See you, Christina.